Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Happy lunchtime, everybody. It's Kelly Kershaw for Peter Klein. This is where the station is. It's been a while since I've been down here. Got Logan Gordon doing his thing, producing, co-hosting. We've got Will Nault in at 1 o'clock and a busy show today. Eric DeHatchek, our NHL insider, coming in at 12.30. We'll also talk about the Good Deeds Cup coming up before 1 o'clock. But, well, the Flames have won 4-5, to five, but I've never seen a fan base, well, maybe I have, that is so angst-filled and worried and wound up. The media's wound up. The fans are wound up. When that happens, we have to talk to Lou. Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Lou, is it like Goodfellas where uh, the guy says, hey, you worry too much. Don't worry about it. Well, nice to to have you back um, to begin with. Well, uh, well, the answer is I understand some of the reason for concern and some of the reason for concern is the fact that, you know, certain patterns continue to stay the same. So there is needless to say, if you look at the last two games, one was what I call a unicorn on Saturday, because frankly, um, anybody outside of the incredible performance of Jacob Markstrom would suggest there was not a lot of redeeming qualities. Last night doesn't start very well, but to the team's credit, some key lineup adjustments, a team getting back closer to their identity and how they have to play, um, you know, made a big difference. But Kelly and I, I'm curious to know what you think about this. Because the one thing I don't think has been talked about enough is between COVID and these mini playoff series, I think the challenge is just so much different. Yep. And and you're in you're not in a bubble as they were in the summertime, but the games, you know, I remember Paul Maurice Kelly saying a couple weeks ago that even on the bench, the games just they feel heavier. And when things feel heavy and people are stressed, you know, I I think that can lend itself to some uncharacteristic things happening. And I know I've heard you talk about this, too. You don't necessarily in these times have places to get away from it. So when it's not going very well, that's my word. It feels heavy. Yeah, It feels heavy. It does. And and the thing is, and, and usually I'm not like this, but I think the games are the games. And I know everybody was absolutely upset about the game on Saturday night. And I was not surprised, maybe the way it, it worked out and the, the shots were so out of whack. But you knew that Vancouver was in desperate need of a win. You knew they were in desperate need of some practice time, which they did not have. You knew they were going to do everything they could, and it was still a 1-1 game for a big chunk of that. And I thought there was a few plays where it's just, they, you know, the Flames had their looks, and it just, you know, they whipped it wide or didn't get a good enough look at it. There were some mistakes, for sure. There were way too many turnoffs and too many mistakes like that. But you're right, and the guys on the morning show talked about this. Like, you go on a road trip. It's like, well, one thing, you stay in the same city, but you can't even... You can't even go out and do the, the, the stuff that you would normally do. And I, I gr- granted, it's the same for every team. 
when the Ottawa Senators or Vancouver Canucks come to Calgary, they're going to be the same thing. You know, he's stuck in the Weston or or the Sheraton or whatever, and basically that's where they're going to be, and they'll practice and you know <laughs> have food in the room or whatever, and and just minimal amounts of that. It's a different time, but I, I think Lou just you got to play the games as they are and as they present themselves, and that happened last night and it happened on Saturday. So maybe. Maybe I'm crazy, but I, I just no. I, ju- I just think that's kind of where you have to do it. Like it's not going to be a Picasso every single night, and you don't want you don't want to be peaking in 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 February for God's sakes. You want you want to have this team in a playoff spot, obviously when it's when it's time to do that, and then get ready and get ready to go. And and I don't know. I think there's a lot more this team has to learn about itself, and there's things that need to get better, and they will. I just think, Kelly, and you tell me what you think, I I think the hard part is the massive pendulum swings, whether it's in games and at times from one game to the other. Period by I agree period, with, yeah. Yeah, like I agree with you. Listen, Vancouver had played two really good games. In fact, the game the Flames won on Thursday, I'd make a pretty strong argument and did on Friday that, you know, Vancouver could have deserved a better fate. So they were trending in the right direction, and they put it all together, and the Flames laid an egg. You know, every once in a while, those things are going to happen. But I also think there's great opportunity when those things happen because at a certain point in time, your players in this kind of a season just can't be okay with the ups and downs. And there's going to be ups and downs, but the swings, Kelly can't quite be to that extent. And, and I think that's the troubling part. Here's the other factor that I've thought of, even, you know, in the reaction from the fans. Guess what? The fans don't have a lot of other things to necessarily occupy their yeah. time. We can so overanalyze this, yeah. So, so you don't think that they're maybe, you know, that their emotions aren't riding a little high because we're all, aren't we, looking for you know, escapes and things to be excited about and things to energize. So I thought I thought about that on the weekend, too, just that, you know, the fan involvement and, and our involvement and the way things are hitting people now, I think it's different because you don't have some of those outside scenarios that, you know, make it seem a little lighter. And, and I think it affects everybody. It's mm-hmm. affected the reaction affected the games but you're right you know at the end of the day um as sports fans we have a tendency you know saturday the sky is is falling last night it's okay but in terms of hockey to get to where you want to be it's more about what's your standard how do you want to play and that's let's be honest the good teams have bad nights so look what happened to the toronto maple leafs blowing a 5-1 lead at home to Ottawa. Things happen, but it just can't happen very often. And you need to understand what you're going to get from your group more often than not. And when people sometimes feel, and I think they're feeling that way within their own team, let alone from the outside. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's one of those things where everything is like hyper looked at and analyzed, and that's cool, that's... That's what being in, in a hockey market, and when you're only playing other hockey markets, mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. The Flames obviously had to do some things. Michael Backlund goes down, and so they had to switch things up quite a bit on the forward ranks and also had to uh, change things up 
uh, when it came to the D pairing. So there was a, a lot of uh, switching around that led into uh, uh, yesterday's game. Well, there was, and you talked about Michael Backlund. That leaves a big hole. So I give the coaching staff a lot of credit because they had to make some really tough decisions. I can only imagine some of the meetings that went on in Vancouver after Saturday. And so Jeff Ward and his staff made a move where they reunited the top line, really, when you go back to the bubble and the playoffs, and that was Sam Bennett, Lou Cheech, and Dubé. Um, Jeff wanted a heavy gritty, harder compete type performance. And that's what we saw. And that's what we saw, Kelly, again last night. So the game's at 2 nothing, as you know. The Flames, I think, you know, they were trying to really involve themselves and took a few penalties and found themselves shorthanded and down 2 to nothing. But a big body shift, not just on the goal, but a big body shift on the previous shift for the Bennett group, I think really kick-started the team with about six minutes left in the period. They finally got rolling. They finally, for the first time in two games, started to cycle, get pucks in behind the defense, and, and put the Canucks defense under duress. That really didn't happen, Kelly, at all on Saturday. And then Milan Lucic, as a result, scores a huge goal, which I think in so many ways was the turning point And here's Jeff Ward on putting that line together and how effective they were in terms of helping the Flames find their way back. Yeah, that line was awesome for us, Uh, Milan and uh, Dubes and Benny. I thought they were were excellent all night. They had some heavy shifts for us, uh, two goals. Um, You know, really got the game turned around for us after we had to kill all the penalties. Um, not only you know did they score the goal, but you know they had a tremendous shift in the offensive zone leading up to it. So I thought they uh, they played an integral part in, in getting us going tonight. And uh, yeah, putting them back together was uh, was a real good thing uh, for our team in terms of uh, what they brought. It, exactly the same energy as the bubble. Yeah, our line was four checking really hard tonight, and we got rewarded for it. So um, credit. To, to both those guys tonight for, for playing really hard and bringing the game we needed to. And uh, you know, I got results for, for uh, keeping it simple in that aspect of it. There you go. Forward uh, Dylan Dubé talking about last night's win in overtime against the Vancouver Canucks. And uh, I'll tell you, I was thinking about this last night, listening to you guys, Lou, that, that uh, TJ Brody was like, he was the guy that took all the arrows from the fans, right? He just took his, took his shots when he was here last year. And now it's sort of gone to, to Milan. That's, that's his thing. That's, that's the one that everyone wants to make a big deal about. It. But I'll tell you, he makes a difference. When he can get there and he can turn that body around and, and, and make, make, you know, scare the daylights out of defensemen like he does, I'll tell you, that is, that is you just not a lot of guys can do that. So we saw it in the summer. We have seen it for a great amount of time, Kelly, in his career. He's had a great career in recent games, even this year, including last night, when your team needed a response. Even think about the Oiler game and what a difference the line of Backlund, Lucic, and Mangiapane made to turn that game completely around. Kelly, it's not a coincidence, and it's not a coincidence because I'd be the first to say, and so would Milan himself, does he necessarily have the skill set that he once did at 24 or 25 in a bit of a heyday in his 50-point days with the Boston Bruins? 
No. But I never question his will, his want, his desire, and his emotional investment. And in hard situations, this guy's whole career, he knows what he's doing. And you know what he has that a lot of other players don't necessarily have? Reps in doing it. The more big games, the more big situations you find yourself in, it's it's like anything else. Um, You have an opportunity to equip yourself. So... Yes, I get it, and, and why at times fans want more. But when you watch in the guts of the game how smart he is, how savvy he is, and more importantly, on a team where at times we question people's ability to handle the hard, this guy generally handles hard as well, if not better than anybody else. And the other thing that he does that he doesn't always get enough credit for is it has great rub-off, Kelly, on some of your younger people. You don't think Dylan Dubé hasn't benefited from, oh. you know, even last night? We're I not even talking Dylan... about Dylan Dubé as, as a guy, though. Is he an NHL or is he going to be like, remember that was like way yes. back two falls ago? He's an NHLer, pure and simple. And even you look at Dylan, who had fallen off it a little bit with Lindholm and Kachuk. So, yes, the move became a necessity in part with Michael Backlund, but there's Dylan back on the forecheck wow. being effective. You know, there's just, he, he Milan kind of takes care of things. And I know that Andrew Mangiapane and lots of guys in that room have really benefited. And from the outside, what people don't see is it's not always about scoring, you know, points and you're going to make mistakes but part of acquiring Milan Lucic wasn't necessarily about getting 26 or 27 year old Milan Lucic it's about having another person in your room that understands how to win um, he loves the sport beyond belief his, his, the way he has an ability to recall it will tell you that he can go back and tell you about shifts he had with the Vancouver Giants as a 17 year old well you don't do that unless you're all in. Mm-hmm. And he just he makes people around him better. Yeah. And that is great spin-off and help for your team, especially when it comes from someone like him who's been there and and done it. Yeah, and he makes defensemen a little nervous, right? You got to you're going to get rid of that puck a little quicker cuz you know he's going to come down and and try and separate your shoulder or something. He's a, he's a tough hombre for sure. Uh, we're chatting with Pete Labardius. It is Hockey Central at noon right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We should talk about the defensive pairings. They switched them up. Um, you can call it a, a change. You can call it a demotion, but Rasmus Anderson get, gets a change, and I thought it was one of the best games he's had. Give me your assessment on, on kind of everybody you saw, and it's, it's, uh, it's a lot to unpack, obviously, when you watched the game last night. Well, it is, and I'll be as concise as I can. I speculated with Patty in our pregame show prior to Saturday when Connor Mackey was coming in, Kelly, that, you know, I wondered because of playing two very young people together, whether the Flames might at a certain time potentially break things up so that those two young guys could have somebody with them. But in the case of Rasmus Anderson, who played with Connor Mackey, Um, sometimes when you simplify things, it can really help. And what I mean by that is Rasmus did not receive power play time. In fact, 
I think being the number one power play quarterback, the hard minutes, um, he had a tough game, Kelly, a few weeks ago against Toronto. And he self-admitted it. It was funny. It came when he was talking about a struggling night of Yusuf Valimaki. And he talked about it being one of his worst games. So Rasmus, is a, he cares immensely. He's a very passionate, intense guy. And, and I think in the last couple of weeks, he was probably putting too much pressure on himself. Like, that's a lot of added responsibility this year for him. And he's earned it. So I wondered how Rasmus, you know, we all wonder, right, when things get taken away, how someone might handle it. And for Rasmus, I think it just simplified things for him. He had a different role on his pairing. Instead of being with Mark, he was the leader of the pairing. It simplified his defensive game. I thought he saw the game brilliantly, his first multi-point game going back to February the 27th last year in Nashville. He was an outstanding player last night because I think having some of the other responsibility at that point in time, and he's going to get it back. In fact, I wouldn't even be surprised if he's back quarterbacking the power play as early as tomorrow. But it got simpler for him. He was outstanding, and again, his coach noticed. You know, that's how he was in the playoffs. You know, just... He played with a lot of confidence in the playoffs, but he kept it simple and he kept it hard. And um, when he plays that way, his, uh, when he's all business, his game's usually really good. And tonight he was real good for us. Yeah, there's uh, Coach Ward on, on Rasmus Anderson. And, and we, we talk about this all the time on this segment over the years. And, and fans and media too, we get all excited because we see this, this prospect and we see him drafted. And then we see him, you know, do really well in the juniors. And then, okay, then he's going to be, you know, playing the AHL. And we expect, ex- we want it to be like a, our favorite, you know, stock. Just kind of go up, 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 <laughs> up, up, and up. It's like, well, in reality, unless you're Connor McDavid, it, it doesn't do that. Majority of guys, there's some up. There's some down, there's some learning, mm-hmm. there's some, some, some experience, there's some just, you know, eating a little crow. It's just the way it is. And that's just an evolution, especially playing defense in the NHL. Not easy. No, it's not easy at all. And Rasmus is a terrific player, and he's going to be an outstanding player, I believe, when it's all said and done. But it does come with hiccups and said a lot about him last night, too. That, you know, when, when your role changes in any way, shape, or form, and like you said earlier, you have something taken away, you know, how do you respond? And all he did was respond with being a great partner for Connor Mackey, who, by the way, um, again, I don't want to start the hype machine on this guy too fast. I'll let everybody else do that. But, Kelly, I saw it in the summer. I know the coaching staff saw it in the summer with this 24-year-old. Um, skates well. I like his poise. Kelly, a phrase I use sometimes is there are certain players when you watch a couple of times that you go, this guy's a pro. And when I saw him in the bubble, that was, that was my first take on Connor Mackey. I just like how he moved, how he processed the game. He plays with a little bite. He never seems to be phased. And after two nights, it, it's exciting to think about where things might go yeah. with, by the way, some of those ups and downs. But I think the Flames have found themselves another player. And with Yusuf Valimaki and 
you know, his maturation. And again, we've documented how he hasn't played with Anderson, Hannafin. Think about the age group, Kelly. Think about, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, what has been built and what is being built in a very key area for your team. And not to mention, um, let me ask you this, because we haven't chatted. Chris Tanev, this summer, when, when I was asked about the signing, the amount of time, I said, I, from my vantage point, this guy is one of the more underappreciated defensemen in the Western Conference and in the league. How blown away have you been with more of an opportunity to watch this guy on an every-night basis? I, I feel bad because I didn't know how good he was or didn't understand or, or paid attention enough to the Canucks. And I'm shocked they let him go because he has been... If it isn't for uh, the two guys from Vancouver, I don't know what, what sort Agreed. of tone we're talking here. Because the goalie... And and Tanev have been amazing, absolutely. He does the little things so well, and he's not just like one of those big, uh, you know, stay at home kind of guys. That's his that's his main job, but he's very quick for for a bigger guy. I I I did not know. Maybe it's just the situation he's in. I mean, Noah Hannafin, like, I mean, how happy is he that he's got oh, this guy? You I, don't think he hasn't benefited from oh, playing with totally that guy? he has. They had this stat on, I think, uh, uh, I think Darren Haynes had it, you know, talking about just the differences between, you know, him playing with, with Hannafin and when he played with Hughes and, and just what a difference maker he is. Like, you don't see that stuff in, in, in the stats and on the score sheet, but, man... I tell you, you see it in wins and losses. He he has been fantastic. I want to double back on Connor Mackey for just a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I mean he gets a point, takes three penalties, uh, involved in the game for sure. Um, do you think he probably needs to play a little bit with uh, with the Heat? Do I think he needs? No, right now I don't. Really. No, I, no, 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 I don't. Do I see a situation, Kelly? Or he could where be in that... all situations, though, I mean. Like, he could just do, um, do it all. You know what? It's a great question. Uh, and, I, and I love the fact that, you know, with the, with the Heat playing in Calgary, it's, it's a perfect situation for him. Because, of course, you still have Nestroff. And Nestroff's been very solid. He's been very solid. So um, I, I see it getting there. But I'd sure like to have a few more looks in some difficult situations before I go down that road. But I love the question. I love the question. And do I think he will spend time there this year? Yes. Yes. But if he doesn't, if he doesn't, then what I stated earlier about that they've really found somebody then they've really found somebody. This, this, he's a good player. And, and I'm fascinated now to see where they go next. Because one of the greatest tasks, Kelly, I think you can have for a young defenseman is potentially upcoming on the weekend. And that's those that's two games yeah. against the Edmonton Oilers. So I hope I get an opportunity to see him, you know, in one of those two games if not both, because there are certain teams and certain games and certain situations 
that I think will tell you whether what you just asked me about is required. And I think that might be a real litmus test to answer your question okay. about when that happens. That, that, to me, might be the greatest assessment point for this young guy. Yeah, okay. What do we know about Backland? I mean, it, this is tougher when you guys aren't. I don't think it's team, long but... term. I don't okay. think it's long term. I don't get that feeling. Um, I wouldn't necessarily be in any rush when you think about just how important he is, and it's just so, so you know, disappointing because he finally, Kelly, got himself the last few games back to you know that great level we saw in the playoffs and the great level down the stretch last year where he had 28 points in 28 games and, you know, was truly playing at a sulky trophy type level. But again, not that I'm discounting tomorrow against Vancouver because they're all big and those points in some ways, you know, are even more important because a lot of other teams might get them. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that Michael Backlund, if there's any question, I want Michael Backlund ready for Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on Friday and Saturday. Yeah. I'll tell you, you get six out of eight points against the Canucks. We, we, we would have taken that before Absolutely. we started this when we were kicking around at Boxing Day or whatever. We would have taken for that. Sure. For sure. Have. So, okay, and Luke, Vancouver's getting better, too. Yeah, they like, are. Don't, don't kid yourself. They are, and, and the North Division, we're going to get into it with the Hatchick, is nuts, and uh, we'll, we'll see what he says about it because it's, it's something. It's fun. I love it. I love it. We'll talk tomorrow, Lou. Okay, great to have you back. You bet, thank you. Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon. It is Hockey Central at noon. Um, I never really went anywhere. I just wasn't on the air. So that's, that's in case anybody's wondering. I've been fine. I've just been working from home like everybody else these days. Uh, I'd like to thank our great partners at Iconic. Um, they are amazing people. They do so much in the community, and they sponsor our beautiful, beautiful studio here downtown Calgary. It's gorgeous. The Iconic Studio, powered by Iconic Electric and Controls. Electrical construction. It's Iconic. Contact them today at iconicec.ca. I'm going, we always ask this question of Eric DeHatchik, except during a regular 82-game season, we ask him about the cut line, the playoff cut line. Where does he see it in the North? We talk about that next right here on Hockey Central at Noon. Hockey Central at Noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Kelly Kirsch in for Peter Klein. The Will Not coming in at 1 o'clock. We'll hear from Corey Sarich, one of our NHL insiders, the former Flame and Avalanche and Saper and Lightning. And we have our NHL insider right now. He's Eric DeHatchek. He comes down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, now open for limited dining service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975. Check them out, 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. Now, Eric, this North Division, I was skeptical, and I thought, am I going to be as into the Jets and the Senators playing on a Wednesday night, but it turns out I am, and it's awesome. And I wanted to get your thoughts. We had a wild night in the North Division last night. Yeah, exactly. It's funny. 
So I'm watching all of these games, and in the meantime, I'm reading an article that Ken Dryden published in The Atlantic, uh, and it was, you know, extremely well written because Ken is, is a very thoughtful guy, but it was on the need for more goal scoring in the NHL. And I thought, wow, the timing of this couldn't actually be worse because there's goal scoring galore. I mean, so you're right. Some of those, those games were crazy. Uh, you know, I, I tuned out. Like I was watching Toronto-Ottawa. That was one of the games that I started with early on. And at 5-1, it was like, okay, let's go up the dial and find out whatever else is going on there. So now I've got my phone out and 5-2, 5-3. And, and at 5-4, I switched over and... It became five five, and I had to stay with it. And then they they won in the end. So yeah, it was it was it was a crazy night, and you know it speaks to the the value and importance of of what you know we euphemistically call four point games because you know you can fall behind in a, in in the standings, and then you play a bunch of games consecutively against the team, and especially if it's a team you're trying to reel in. And if you have some success against that team, all of a sudden you know the standings change magically, can change overnight or, or in a week, and so. I think we're going to see the, the chaos that we've seen in the first, we're, we're just roughly past the quarter part of the season. I think the chaos is going to continue. And, and you know, I don't even know where. They, like, you sent me a note, you know, like, what's, what's the number uh, for this year? And I, I had to think about it. And, and I sort of sat there with my calculator and stared at the standings, and, and I came up with the number, but, I, but I'm not committed to it. I mean, I think it's going to be, like, 65 to, to 67 games. But i, I got to tell you, Kelly, i got a bunch of caveats that I can yeah. do. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's a point situation. So you say sixty seven, sixty nine, sh- maybe should kind of oh, get yeah. you in the playoffs. Oh, so uh, let's start with a few things. Okay? okay, one, you know, it looks like they'll be able to play the full fifty six game schedule in the North because there haven't been any cancellations or postponements yet. Like let's call them postponements. Nothing has actually been canceled. But uh, whereas the other divisions, you know, there's been uh, a lot of, you know, games, you know, again tonight, you know, Dallas and Nashville postponed for the second time in a row. Dallas is a team that uh, that started late because of COVID protocols. <clears throat> They're the one team that has a game scheduled past the 8th of May, which is officially the end of the season. They're playing Tampa right now on May the 10th. Who knows when they're going to be able to reschedule these Predator games. And there may come a point in the, in, in the season, if it continues the path that they're on in the States, that, that they may not play 56 games in those divisions. But, you know, knock on wood, things are, are looking positive for the teams in Canada. So, so then, you know, you, you look at the standings, and just because of the, the gap, I mean, Vancouver's played 19 games. So if, you, if you're just looking at points in the standings, well, Vancouver's only two behind Calgary. But, but I'm focused more and more this year on points percentage just because, because of, of, of the variety of games played. And Vancouver is they're, they're 395. Calgary is at 567. So by points in the standings, the Flames are out. But on a percentage basis, they're in. So, you know, if you just prorate the points that it would take for Calgary to get that last fourth spot, because in my mind they're fourth, even though they're fifth in points, I, I think, you know, 67 probably is, is going to be enough. Um, but, but again, you know, you know the, the Flames are playing the Oilers, you know, twice imminently, and Edmonton's points percentage is, you know, about – you know, it's a little bit behind Calgary's, but you know that can change in a heartbeat. So, um, you know, it, it, it is it is one of those things that it's unanswerable in a normal year, and it's even more complicated by the presence of all of these potential four pointers. And then, and then, what I would add is that it depends too on 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 whether 
Vancouver and Ottawa fall off the pace, and if they if they just sort of spiral to the bottom, because right now, um, you know, they are clearly the two worst teams in 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 the league, and you know, even Vancouver, though Vancouver is playing better. You know, their goal differential right now is minus 14. Ottawa's is minus 29, notwithstanding that win over, over Toronto. And to me, so far anyway, there's been a big gap between those two and the remaining five. So if they continue to, to slide, um, you know, that will have a, a, an impact. You may, you may need more points, I guess is what I'm trying to say, yeah. if people start using those teams as punching bags and, and start piling up the points against them. And that's one of the things that is really difficult to predict right now because both of them, you know, look as if they might be, you know, trending up. I mean, Ottawa has the longest winning streak in the division right now, two in a row. So that's yeah. the kind of year I, mean, I think it's going to go. That's going to be. Eric Dachuk is our guest here on Hockey Central at noon. I'm Kelly Kirsch right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Okay. Well, we talk about the top five in mm-hmm. the North Division. And I think everyone is sort of, you know, very impressed, obviously, with Toronto and Montreal's start. Are they all that we think they are, or are they going to come back to earth, do you think? What do you see? I think Toronto is the best team in the, in the division. And, and that's a hard thing to say on a morning after they had a 5-1 lead against a team that had previously only won three of their first 16 games and somehow found a way to lose it. <laughs> so, you know, like if you believe in recency bias, and, and, and I'm pretty sure that, you know, radio listeners really do believe in recency bias, that, that might seem like an outrageous statement. But, but if you discount a game where they, they took the foot off, off the gas pedal and they couldn't get the momentum back and then really analyze where Toronto is at. You know, their goaltending has been very, very good this year. You know, there were question marks about Freddie Anderson, but he really has been excellent. And I think that, you know, as they've managed to integrate some of, of the new faces there, they've, they've all been really good too. And people talked about, you know, what Joe Thornton's value to the team would be. And I think most of us felt that it would be primarily as a, in a leadership role and, you know, and, and in a sort of a dressing room catalyst. And, and, but he's been pretty good on the ice as well. And, you know, they've, they've gotten off to this start. I mean, they were, prior to this loss, they were, you know, they had, they had won, I mean, they were 11-3-1. and one. That's a really great record. And that's with, you know, Nylander having a so-so start, with Tavares having a so-so start. You know, there, there, there is more to give with the group that they've got. So I, I just think that they're, they're better than everyone else. You know, Montreal, you know, has been terrific on the road. I mean, it's amazing what they're, if you look at their road record, 6-0-2, that's, that's really extraordinary. But they, you know, they're like 6-4 and four in the last 10. They've come back to earth a little bit. So, you know, like if you're asking me, I, I do think Toronto is going to pull away. I think they're going to be the best team. And then I believe that the remaining four teams after Toronto, Montreal, Winnipeg, Calgary, and Edmonton, three of those teams are going to make the playoffs. And I think it's going to be a dogfight. I don't see Montreal pulling away. I think that, you know, that they will be in that group of four teams and there's going to be a cluster among all four of them from here until the end of the season. Eric, what are we missing from the other divisions? Because I'll tell you, you can get tunnel vision, and I have, and I think a lot of our listeners have too. The way it's set up right now, the the other divisions are interesting. But if you're gonna if you're gonna pay attention to uh, you know the out of town scoreboard and games outside the Calgary market, it's probably not going to be what's happening with Carolina or Detroit or Chicago. What are the storylines that you're kind of you know you know perking up and and having a look at? 
Well, and, and I do, you know, you know, because I'm sort of my mandate is to cover the entire NHL. So I'm writing as much about the American teams as, as the Canadian teams. And you're right, there there have been some really fascinating uh, uh, what turns of events. I, I guess storylines. Let's, let's, let's look at Chicago. Okay, so if you were to ask me at the start of the season if we, we did a team by team NHL pre- preview, I would have said, okay, what are they thinking in Chicago? You know, they have no established NHL goaltending. You know, they've moved out. You know, serviceable NHL. Like like Brandon Sod and, and really not gotten very much in, as in a return. Um, and then of course you know Jonathan Taves notifies the world that that he's not ready to play for some mysterious illness and and he's not there. And then and then Kirby Doc gets hurt and the World Juniors and, and he's not available. And, and they they really you know on paper they look to me like like a lottery team, like a team that would compete with Ottawa and Detroit for the bottom rung of, of the NHL ladder. And instead, they've been really good. I mean, really good. You know, they, they're 8-5-4. and four. Um, You know, they're hanging in in the playoff race. And, and Patrick Kane is having what I consider to be, you know, an MVP caliber season. Whoever he plays with, a whole bunch of guys that you've never heard of, you know, Pius Suter, uh, you know, Kurashev, I can't even say his name properly yet, but but they have been excellent. They have been excellent. They have gotten a, a maximum amount out of the, the team that they've got. And there's, you know, a half a dozen players on that roster that if you don't follow the NHL very, very closely, you might never have heard of. So they're, they're surprisingly competitive in my mind. The team that I'm a little bit disappointed in, I have to tell you, is, is Columbus, because I had high hopes for Columbus being sort of the islanders of that division. In other words, a team that, because of a strong commitment to, to defensive play, because of that sort of iron will that, that John Tortorella has behind the bench, um, and, and lots of really good flashes from, from a couple of young goaltenders, Corpus Allo and Merzlikens last year, that they would be a team that would, that would exceed expectations. A lot of people selling them short, I thought, no, they're going to they're going to surprise you, and, and I, I get that there's been uh, turmoil and, and and you know a, a major trade, you know, and trying to integrate Line and, and Roslovic right now. Uh, but they got blown up by Carolina yesterday, and, and you know something just isn't right there yet. And you know they, there's lots of time to fix it. The goaltending can sort itself out. You know, Orensky's been out. I think he's coming back now. So, they, they, but they've got good pieces, and they have not been able to, to figure it out yet. So it remains to be seen in my mind whether they can. And you know, and then you know Carolina, the team. That, that blew them out. You know, last time, I think they're ten and three. They they have been excellent, and they're doing it without uh, Peter Morazic, who had a tremendous start and has been hurt. And you know, they've had to rely on uh, James Reimer a little bit. And by hook or by crook, they are managing to win games and and look very very good doing it. We're chatting with Eric Dehatchik right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This is Hockey Central at noon. I'm Kelly Kirsch, and I guess. Kind of one more just to kind of throw your way. Uh, I read that the Las Vegas Golden Knights have applied to the uh, government of, of Nevada to say we want 20% um, occupancy. So you're starting to see that a little bit more. This is going to be very interesting where some teams will have a few fans, some teams won't mm-hmm. as, as things, you know, vaccines and that sort of thing roll out here towards the end of uh, the regular season. And I think that was always the plan. Like this is going to strictly be jurisdictional. So depending on on what the COVID numbers are, are in a particular market, and then also you know like what the the um, the the, the, capacity, the the government's view of of what is a just um, you know a, a, an acceptable risk, uh, you know when you factor all those things in, you know certain 
you know markets will will open up uh, their their seating capacity to a, a percentage of, of fans, and and the hope is that you know over time that those percentages increase. So you know Nevada is um, you know one of those markets where you know I mean Vegas has opened a little bit, and and I think they're hoping to get a little bit back to normal. So. Um, it doesn't surprise me that that it's happening, and you hope that as the COVID numbers appear to be trending down, you know, really across the board in in Canada and the United States, that there is a way of safely opening up. Um, and then I, I think if you're a spectator, you have to assess in your own mind what the risk is. You know, someone my age probably is going to feel you know a, a little bit less confident about going back than, than someone who's, who's a little bit younger and a little bit stronger. So we'll see how it, how it all plays out. I do know that, that I think the NHL has resigned itself to the fact that it, that it is going to be kind of a stop and start season. Um, you know, we have a really good story on our website uh, uh, that profiles the NHL schedule maker who really might be the MVP of the league. You know, we can talk about Kane and McDavid, but the work that they're doing in, in terms of revising the schedule on the, on the fly is, is really extraordinary. And, you know, they're trying to keep the focus on the big picture, which is September and October of this year, when no matter what happens in this season, that they can be as close to being back to normal by then. Um, you get the revenues going, um, get the players paid, you know, just, just get the entire industry back on course. So, you know, we're going to see bits and pieces of what you just alluded to, um, but the, they're not taking their eyes off the big picture, you know, in the NHL office in, in New York. It's September and October, getting Seattle up and running, and hopefully some version of normalcy by then. Oh, amen to that. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, it would be. We, we covered, would be. Yeah, we covered a lot there. We appreciate it, Eric. Uh, we'll talk next week. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Kelly. Here we go. Eric Dehatchik, as uh, he is our NHL uh, insider here on Hockey Central on Tuesdays. Got to tell you, I, uh, I uh, saw it on my little social media feed as uh, Pat Steinberg was, uh, was busy. He's got himself his uh, Flames Roundup highlight pack. It is out comes out twice a week, so it didn't come out yesterday. It came out today, and uh, you can check it out on Twitter, Facebook, or on our website, sportsnet.ca slash 960. It's all brought to you by Brightside by ATB, a new banking app that helps you spend and save for what you love. And uh, we do that all the time as we uh, tell the flame story, simple as that. All right, we're going to uh, change gears a little bit, tell you that Will Nault is in at 1 o'clock. He'll be chatting with Corey Sarch. Uh, obviously about the the weekend the Flames had in Vancouver. And also we've got Pat Steinberg in at 2 o'clock. Basketball on the radio. Yeah, another Raptors game for you as they take on the Milwaukee Bucks. We'll have that one for you. A tip-off just after 6 o'clock, don't you know? On your home of the Raptors right here on Sportsnet 960. Oh, and by the way, we're going to talk about the Good Deeds Cup. We'll do that next right here. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Hey, it's Kelly Kirsch in for Peter Klein. Will Null in at 1 o'clock. Steinberg in at 2. Raptors basketball on at 6 right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan. Hey, busy uh, weekend out in the Bow Valley. A couple of big things. First of all, the earthquake. That was big news, right? That was kind of uh, kind of crazy out in Banff and Canmore and Exshaw. And then also we found out on Saturday that the uh, Canmore Eagles under 13 team is the Alberta representative for the uh, Chevrolet Good Deeds Cup. How about that? So we have to uh, get online and vote for them. And to get us a little bit more on what's happening, uh, she has a million gold medals 
uh, former Olympian Carolyn Ouellette had a chat with uh, Jeff Merrick and the crew from Hockey Central about the Chevrolet Good Deeds Cup. Season with the Chevrolet Good Deeds Cup. As you know, uh, this year is a bit different, so we had to adjust, and it became uh, the Chevrolet Good Deeds pitch. So we asked teams at the under 11, under 13, and under 15 levels to pitch their idea of a good deed that could greatly help their community. Uh, the voting, by the way, opened on February the 13th. It closes on the 24th. Uh, you can check ChevroletGoodDeedsCup.ca uh, to your vote for your favorite good deed. Oh, there we go. So that's uh, that's the scoop. So get on that website and vote. Simple as that. Thanks to uh, Carolyn for joining the crew earlier today out in Toronto. Got to tell you, we uh, we kicked it off today. Your chance to uh, get get that food delivered right to your door. As uh, the boys in the morning show, if you've tuned in from time to time, love to talk about food. And so we've teamed up with our great partners at uh, A Fair Deal uh, Catering. And here's the deal. You can get uh, Boomer's Jambalaya. You can get Pinder's Burrito Bowl or Rhett's Cashew Chicken. They selected those recipes. We're going to change them every couple of weeks. Great food. Supporting a local company right here in Calgary. And I'll tell you, you, you can buy three of them together. You can buy, you know, two or one, whatever the case may be. Uh, a fair deal, wholesale marketplace and grocery delivery from a fair to remember catering, a staple in Calgary for uh, over 26 years. Um, so here's a scoop. Um, two adults for each meal, uh, 40 hours notice. All the details are on the website. Just link to it off our, our website and uh, and see what's going on. It's really cool, and I think it's awesome that um, – that it's a, a local company doing it. And uh, Stephen and the crew from, from A Fair to Remember have been doing all kinds of good stuff with us for a long time, so we want to help them out. And, and I'll tell you, it's, it's nice when that stuff, that's just one couple less trips to the grocery store is okay by me right about now. It just comes there, and I'll tell you, if, you can, if I can make it, you can make it. Simple as that. So just go to our website, check under events. It has all the details right there. Uh, get all three, get two, get one, whatever the case may be. But that, that starts today, and you got to put it, you got to give them like, 48 hours notice or something like that so they can get your order and get it delivered right to your uh, doorstep. Simple as that. Logan Gordon, what does Will Nault have for us coming up after 1 o'clock from the home studio down in beautiful Mahogany? Well, we'll chat with uh, former NHLer and Calgary Flame himself, Corey Sarge, as he usually does, joins us after game day to give a breakdown, and I'm sure Corey will have a thought or two on those uh, new defensive yes, pairings we I saw yesterday. I wonder what he's going to think about uh, Mackey and new roles for everybody. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Corey has to say about that. What else do you got? I believe we'll have three burning questions to uh, to end off the hour, and uh, we'll with another Flames guest coming up uh, about one twenty-five. Oh my goodness, it's gonna be busy. Uh, Steinberg joins at two o'clock. Raptors at six. It's busy. Looking forward to it. Let's not waste time. Big show coming at you.